pray. I pray for the salvation of every person on earth. I pray this message conveys your heart, Father, your love, your justice, your grace, your mercy, your chastisement, and your peace. Holy Spirit, come with a fire and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Refresh us with your truth. Heal the broken. Receive those today who would repent and receive you as Lord and Savior. We declare, we decree, this house is your house, Father. Our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our discernment are open only to you, Holy Spirit. The voice of Satan and his demonic forces be silenced. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Okay. You ready? Okay. All right, so this is kind of interesting. Is... uh, the Lord spoke to me about three weeks ago, and he said, preach your last sermon. And I'm thinking, okay, what, 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 what do you mean by that, Lord? And so I went down this road. At first, I was real positive about it. I'm saying, okay, this is going to be cool, Lord. You, you want me to do something? And then I wasn't so positive. And then I started to struggle with it. And then it came to, well, what, what could I possibly preach if it were my last sermon? Well, I could do something like this. I can say, the Bible, read it. God bless you. Have a good lunch. (laughs) But it was more than that. See, I've been preaching for some years, and when I first started preaching in the beginning, I would get sick to my stomach because I would put so much pressure on myself to bring this word that was going to change lives. Well, I'm still passionate, but I realized early on is that it's not me that changes lives. It's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to bring the word, to be obedient to the Lord. And to be honest, and I hate to say this, it's not really about you liking it. You see, God changes lives, and the Holy Spirit convicts and rebukes. That's what he does. So when you hear a message, whether it be from anybody, it may sting a little bit sometimes. And sometimes it's a little bit hard to swallow. And I only got one caveat today before we open this up is that I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church worldwide. So when the Lord said, preach your last sermon, I was taken back by it. And I said, Lord, I could could write a book. I'd be here forever. You'd be here forever. And I do got a book here. Just so you know. And I'm going to try to stick to it because I don't want to get down too many rabbit holes. There's too much to say. But i got to tell you this. In preparation for this sermon or any sermon, the Lord has has never said this to me. I want you to go preach the wimpiest sermon you can. Be sure to coddle everybody. And please, please twist my words so no one is offended by politically incorrect statements. And please appease all sinful behavior and encourage apathy and complacency. And then I will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And lastly, don't, don't forget to pass the offering plate. And for heaven's sakes, wear a tie. <laughs> never heard those words from the Lord. Maybe an elder or a board member, but never from the Lord. <laughs> Think about it. If these were the last words you were going to preach to someone or speak to someone in their life as a Christian, what would you say to them? Or if you were going to see them for the last time, what would you want to hear from them? Well, certainly you would want them to know that they are loved and how much you love them. And and you'd want to give them something that would equip them. And you'd want them to hear the truth. And and you may want to drop some pearls of wisdom and some nuggets on them. But most of all, I love you enough to tell you this precious thing. 
That might not be the goal today to bring you to that happy place, but it is the goal to bring you to that place of truth and reality with the Lord. So this whole thing may be just a bunch of snippets or a compilation of some things. Are you coming to church to attend church or be the church? Are you in the body of Christ as a spectator or a participant? You have to plow the field before you reap the harvest. How about this one? Don't go to hell. That was a sticker a youth group had years ago, and it was pretty bold. The other one was real God, real loud. So you could tell it was a youth group. But it was bold. It was bold. Amen. It was bold, but it was to the point. It was very simple. And it was true. They cared. So with those stickers, you've got to wonder, what what is my point of view? Do I want to love people into the kingdom? Or do I want to scare them into the kingdom? I want to love them into the kingdom with the truth. And if needs be, a good swift kick in the pants. Because you know what? Sometimes people need that. Everybody doesn't receive the same. Some people are hardcore and they need to hear that oomph. So we're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about things that might not be on your top five most favorite things to talk about. Uh, Things like uh, sin, hell. Satan. And we're not going to get into depth about them because that would relieve you from the responsibility of studying these things on your own. So we're just going to touch on them. To most of you, this may be like preaching to the choir. It's like, I already know this stuff, what we're about to say. And to some of you, it may be, maybe it's a wake-up call or maybe it's a, a, a reminder. Or maybe it's to that one lost sheep that person that's out there that's seeking and searching or that one that's crying out isn't that what's important we make assumptions in church all the time we make assumptions in church because people come in and they come in smiling and they smile because you're smiling and this is all a good thing and you say to them how you doing they say I'm doing good and you're okay yeah I'm okay I'm okay too everybody's okay we're all on the same page that's not necessarily the case. In, a, in, a, in just this group who's here today, everybody's not on that page. Everybody's not okay. Let me give you an example. Down in Tennessee, we had a great big prayer line, and, and the, the theme of the service was growing deeper with Jesus. And so when people came up, uh, they came up for uh, maybe a baptism in the Holy Spirit, maybe healing, uh, maybe to grow deeper with Jesus. So this one young woman comes up to me, and she's all excited, and, she, and I was all excited because she was all excited, and I said, do you want to grow in a deeper relationship with Jesus? She said, yes, 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 and I said, awesome. She goes, but I got one question. I said, yes. Who is he? I said, who's who? She said, Jesus. I said, you don't know who Jesus is? She goes, I don't, I don't know. I had never heard of him. I said, how did you get here? How awesome is this? She said, that person invited me. So we assume that everybody's on the same page. We, you know, we think when somebody says they know God or have a relationship with God, they actually do. We take them at their word. But what is their point of reference? We don't know that until we get to know them. We don't know where they get their information from. Maybe it's misinformation, disinformation, who knows. But they need to know the truth. And the truth is not always easy. I know what we're about to talk about. You know what I'm about to talk about. Does the person next to you 
Do all the people in your sphere of influence know what's about to be said? Let's go down the line here. Let's talk about Satan, the devil, and evil. It exists. It exists in a big way. Don't be naive. Don't be naive. Let's take this by contrast. Let's take the love of our Heavenly Father, the sacrifice of our precious Savior Jesus, the empowerment and protection of the Holy Spirit. Let's contrast that with this sheer destruction and manipulation of you and everyone you love. That's Satan. That's his M.O. That's what he's all about. Satan's trying to get you to live in intimidation and fear, and many of you are. Many of you are. He will try to divide this house. He will try to divide your house, just like he's trying to divide our nation. And he knows that a house divided against itself will fall. He knows that. Are you going to let that happen? We need to get busy with God and do what? Uh, Bradley, that was wonderful what you said earlier. It's not, a, and, and what you said, uh, I think it was uh, Troy said earlier, it's not about the works. It's about getting busy with God and praying and praying, connecting with him. And you know what? Whatever else he calls you to do. The devil is trying to distract you and deceive you to get you to live in a, a life of lies. He, I want you to think about this statement. And a pastor friend of mine used to say this all the time. He said, the problem with being deceived is you don't know you're being deceived because you're deceived. Think about it. Let's move on. We need, as the body of Christ, we need to throw away the word offense. Because Satan's using it against us more than we even realize. Everybody gets offended over everything. There's offense. I got an offense about this. I got an offense about that. Everybody is being sucked in by it. Let's move on to sin. Should we talk about sin? We've been having some wonderful teaching about, about these things and the intimacy with God and who you are in Christ. And even what Bradley spoke about earlier. What, what should we say of sin? Get rid of it now. Don't play with it. Don't entertain with it. Don't flirt with it. Don't dance with it. Sin is devastation. But how beautiful is this? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and, and faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Hold on. Fiji, Fiji time here. Okay, this is a tough one. But first, I just want to advise you to do one thing. Is study 1 John 1, 5 through 10. It's a big subject, but you need to study it along with the Lord, and you need to take your time. So you know I'm not making this up. It's straight from the Bible. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it away from you. It is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. What? Pluck out my eye? Forget that. I'm not sinning. That's the point. God doesn't want you to sin. He doesn't want you to live in a life of sins. He wants you to know the gravity of it so you can get rid of it, so you can move on. And, and Jane spoke a great word on Wednesday night about that, to not hold on to the sin. We need to get rid of it. What about this? How devastating is sin? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Let's go back to the contrast between Satan and God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, there are sinners and saints, and there are saints that sin. And I'm not going to talk anymore about that. As I said, pastors, pastors Travis and Leslie have been doing a wonderful teaching on that. 
God always hears us. He always hears us. But do you hear him? Now, if you don't hear him, that may be one of the consequences for some sort of a sin that's dulling you down a little bit to hear from the word of God or to hear God. Now more than ever, this generation and previous have been taught to just trust the government, the media, and the show that we see before our eyes. It's time for, a, it's time for personal responsibility to seek the truth, and no one can do that for you. Ask God. Well, ask him what? Ask him everything. Everything. Any question you have, God wants to have a dialogue with you. Everything. Ask him everything. He wants to have that dialogue. He wants pray, pray, pray. Read his word. These are some of your communications with God. Don't waste your time looking for loopholes to justify your sin. Don't look to the government to interpret the Bible for you. For you. Go to the source and take your sin to the cross. The devil would have you hold on to it, stew it, and keep you in bondage with it. If sin were not serious, we wouldn't have a need for the cross. Jesus came that your sins may be forgiven, not that you can keep on sinning. Let's move, let's move on to hell. Hell. Is it real? Yes, it is. It's been prepared for the devil and his angels, but you can buy a ticket. As a matter of fact, the door is wide open to you, and Satan would love to see you there, and it's not because he likes you. Matthew 25, 41, then he, Jesus speaking, then he will also say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you who are cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Roman, uh, Revelation 20, verse 15, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Read it, study it. Don't take my word for it. And that's all I'm going to say about that. The church. Omissions like the gravity of sin, death, Satan, and the reality of hell and repentance. God has spoken of these things, should we not? And if God spoke it, it's important. And if he spoke it, he meant it. This may get me in trouble, but it wouldn't be the first time. Uh, to my fellow preachers everywhere, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm thankful for you. But step it up or step down. Preach the word, all of it. One of God's gifts to us is that we live in a nation that's somewhat free for now. Preach the Constitution. Preach the Bill of Rights. Preach the Declaration of Independence. Now, they may not be the word of God, but they were inspired by the word of God. Take back our nation for the glory of God. Do not hide in the shadows, but shout from the rooftops that Jesus is Lord and that we are a Christian nation. Don't be a church that walks on eggshells or a church that tippy-toes through, tr through the truth. At a conference some years ago, it was uh, church leaders and, and college students, and we had asked them and said, well, you advise us what church looks like to you. What do you want? What do you need? And they came back and they spoke freely, very freely. It was refreshing and hurt your heart a little bit, but nonetheless, they were truthful. And they said, we don't want you to cow town to us because we're young. We don't want you to figure out how to be young. We don't want you to do the music because we're young. We don't want you to do all of these things in these shows because of us. What we want is the truth. Because we understand that the truth has been around for a long time and it worked for you and those before you. So that's what we want most of all. Now, those are some pearls of wisdom. I had an elderly couple come to me in Tennessee some years ago, and uh, they said, hey, we're leaving our church. And I said, well, why would you leave your church? You've been there for oh, what, 50, 60 years. And they said, yeah. They said, and this was a mainstream church, big church. 
And he said, well, the pastor so informed us that he could no longer preach about certain things because they didn't conform to the dictates of the government. And we, therefore, are afraid that we're going to lose our 501c3, which is the tax deduction for people making donations. They had good cause to leave. Now, let me say this. This is what needs to take place, in my opinion. Preach the word in season and out of season. Let the gospel be preached through all the earth in words, deeds, service, worship, testimony, humility, brotherly love, in giving by the power of the Spirit of God. Let not these words be so mysterious or elusive like grasping the air or water. Let them not be confused as if they were for the pastors or the spiritually mature only, but for the simple, the broken, the contrite, the humble of heart. Let these words, the words of God, not be changed to suit or soothe an unbelieving world but mighty and powerful for pulling down strongholds, open up the eyes of the blind and decree freedom from bondage and oppression. A wicked and perverse generation has covered the eyes to truth and opened itself up to the lie. The lies that have sown so much chaos and corruption, smoke and mirrors, confusion. And it seems like everything today is a big lie. That even this spiritually mature Christian struggles with their own discernment to see the truth. Our day and age is a very difficult time when you try to make sense of things. But God showed me this, and I won't get into all the details. He said there's always movement. Things are always moving. There's always something going on. It's just beyond the natural sight that you cannot see. How could that be possible? Ephesians 6, 12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. How can we fight against such things? How can we fight against what we don't know? And, and I would direct you to this, of, of the one who fights for us. One of my favorite verses, if I could remember, remember it, is, uh, the Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles and the mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of all the earth, the heavens proclaim his righteousness. And all peoples will see his glory. Do you want to see his glory? Read it. Study it. That was Psalm 91, or part of it. You know, revivals have broken out when things were bad immorally in high quantities. Uh, apathy and complacency uh, ruled the day when sin and blasphemy ravaged and reigned freely. Does that sound familiar? But when men and women of God, brave men and women of God with courage, uh, uh, courage enough to preach the word, all of it, not quenching the fire of the Holy Spirit, Things took place. Revivals broke, well, broke out. If every pastor in America would preach their last sermon, it would help fuel that fire within people to hunger for that awakening, to hunger for it, to want it, to desire it, that the Holy Spirit would come down in a mighty way. Let's go to our nation. Oh, our nation. We must pray to the Lord of the harvest for our nation. We need the harvest in our nation. Why? Let me read from Isaiah 520. 
Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Do we see that today? Matthew 24, 4, Jesus warned us. He warned us not to be deceived. Why would he warn us if it was not a threat? Let me read it, Matthew 24, 4 and 5. And Jesus answered them saying, take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Read it. Study it. Let's go to a couple of parallels. In chapter 8 of the book of Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel's taken in a vision in, in, in Israel. And, he, and he's taken through Israel but then taken to the temple. And he's taken to different portions of the temple. And each portion he's taken to, you see the idolatry, the corruption, uh, the blasphemy, and all of these things going on, the abominations. And then, then he, he's taken into the te- deeper into the temple. And each depth that he goes into, there's more levels of this. And it's incomprehensible as a Jew that you would see these things. This is the temple of God, the sanctuary of God. And these things are taking place. So what was happening is uh, the curtain was being pulled back over what was going on in Israel. I believe with all my heart that God is pulling the curtain back in America. He's exposing the corruption at every level in every area. And that's exactly what happened to Ezekiel. That's what he saw. The big lie, the new truth, hidden behind political correctness or societal pressure, false concerns. Now... A pastor in this day and age may be tempted to tamp things down, either out of fear or whatever the case may be, and maybe make things a little bit more palatable as not to rock the boat or or shake things up. I say hogwash to that man. Ramp it up. Go with fire. That's what we need today. We need that fire. Let me give you an example. I've told this story many times before. I just happened to like it. I was there. Uh, I was on a a metro in in Washington, D.C., the subway, and this guy jumps on. And he starts preaching, and he's got his Bible, and he's preaching. Everybody could hear him real loud. Three stops later, he jumps off. Every single person in that train car said something. Now, half of them were cursing him out, but the other half were praising God because of his boldness and the word that he brought. There was an effect on every single person there. And what was the effect? The boldness God gave this to the individual, but more so the word of God. The word of God will do those things. When God created man and woman, or male and female, he did not say male, female, or other, or fill in the blank, or just make something up. You disagree with that, just talk to God. There have been so many atrocities, or as the Bible would call them, abominations, uh, redefining uh, God's things, redefining what God said about marriage, even about human beings now we're seeing. On June 26th, 2015, the president lit up the White House in the rainbow colors in celebration of redefining marriage. You could see the direction the nation was headed in. The church has been given up ground in our society. But no more, because there's a groundswell, and if you can feel it, I feel it. I believe it's happening. I believe we're seeing pockets of things happening here. Sean uh, Fuchs, how do you say his name? That guy. There's things going on all over the place with people like him, young people, people all over the country. He's going to place to place to place. But it's not only there. I'm sure I wasn't there, but the Chris Gore thing uh, this weekend was probably powerful. Powerful? 
Powerful. But there is stuff happening. There's this church. This church that's pulling out all the stops and opening up, open itself wide open to whatever God wants. So there's a groundswell. Uh, Troy, uh, Romans. If you look up on the screen, and I'm going to try to uh, read this slowly because I tend to talk fast. Romans, starting in ver- Romans chapter 1, starting verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness of men who suppress the truth in ungodliness because of what they may known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by all things that he made, even the eternal power of the Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they know good, know God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's happening today. When society and the word of God clash, people get busy looking for loopholes and ways around what God said to justify their position. Uh, then comes misinterpretation or reinterpretation or maybe better term, redefinition. Case in point, marriage, abortion, sexual orientation, gender fluidity. I want you to know what God says about it. I want to know what God says about it, not what government or reinterpretation means. And I'll confess to you, I don't know or understand some of these things. I don't. But I do know this. And this goes for everybody, every person on the earth. Our God. Jesus is full of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Whatever you have done or whatever you become or wherever you've gone or whoever you think you are or anything else, come to Jesus and walk it out with him. He will lead you on the path of righteousness, the path of everlasting. And this statement here is for all of you here and anybody that may be watching. It's, it, it's as true for you as anybody else. Jesus loves you. You know, it, it, I love this thing. And I, in Acts uh, chapter 4, I think it's verse 19. Peter and John, the disciples, were called before the religious leaders, and they said, hey, you got to stop preaching this stuff. You can't preach this stuff. It's, it's not, we don't approve. And they replied back this. I love this. He said, uh, but Peter and John answered them and saying, whatever is right, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you be the judge. So what I'm saying is bring things back to where they need to be. Go to God with all of these things. Go to God with all of these things. Now, I, I love America. And like some of you that have been to other countries that may have been oppressed, uh, um, and maybe some of the pastors there are preaching their last sermon today because of persecution. And they will not be able to preach it tomorrow. Their life may not be here tomorrow. But they know this, and they know that's the gravity of, of what they do. Sadly enough, is that oppression is making its way to our shores. Uh, I don't like to say this, but our country's a mess. Many in the political arena are fighting for it, maybe not so much, but some are even fighting against it. Our military men and women, 
are military men and women who we hold with high esteem that have been given a, a warrior's heart to defend this nation or coming under attack with coercion and attempts to corrupt them. Our first responders are coming under attack. When a nation that is called by God and is dedicated to God and is a friend of Israel turns its back on God, I would just say read history. Read the Old Testament. And again, remember, we must remember. Let me back up. I don't think, I don't think God is done with America. I truly don't. I believe that we are on the cusp of a great awakening like has never been seen. I believe that. And we need to remember this. If, and where's, where's the battle coming from? Again, I'll read it again. Ephesians 6, 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So we, we're fighting one another. And that's, that's what the media is. That's what these people that are against America, they're get, trying to get us to fight with one another and keep us in confusion. God is not the God of confusion. Troy, if you could pull up Hebrews. Thank you. This will blow your mind, I think. Blows my mind. There's a voice from heaven and a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Again, I'll try to speak slow. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 through 29. The Passion Translation, make very sure that you never refuse to listen to God when he speaks. For the God who spoke on earth from Sinai is the same God who now speaks from heaven. Those who heard him speak in his living word on the earth found nowhere to hide. So what chance is there that for us to escape? If we turn our backs on God and refuse to hear his warnings as he speaks from heaven, the earth was rocked at the sound of his voice from the mountain. But now he has promised once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. Now this phrase, once and for all, clearly indicates that the final removal of things that are shaken, that is, the old order. So only what is unshakable will remain. And since we are receiving our rights to this unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe. I love this. For our God is a holy, devouring fire. So as I start to wind this down and bring it to a conclusion here in a little bit, uh, as far as me preaching my last sermon, can't say it didn't rock my world, but I will tell you this, is that when the Lord told me this about three weeks ago, and then, and then Travis called me last week and said, could you preach the sermon? I'm like, ah, is this it? Um, I used to feel ill to my stomach, but I don't now. Uh, I felt challenged that I had a big task ahead of me. But here's where I'm at today. If, if, if this is my last sermon today, God bless you. It's good to have you here, and we'll see you later. And, Again, have a good lunch, but um, let, let it be so. Let it be so. Or if it's to preach every sermon as if it's my last sermon, let it be so. The Lord has not revealed that to me, but I trust him and I know him. He's going to confirm that to me either way. And, and I will be at peace because I know that I'm in his will. And that will bring me a lot of joy. What will you do 
if God asked you to lay something down that's precious to you? How will you handle that? What will you do with it? I, I, I want to, in my time in service of the Lord, I've had many seasons and many things the Lord's asked me to do, and it's all good. It's all good, but that transition is sometimes difficult because you, you're dealing with right now and what you know, but then when he calls you, it's what you don't know. You know, this, I seen it the other night. We were watching The Chosen, and I love it. When any, any movies you ever see this, when Jesus has a great big smile on his face and he says, follow me. It just melts your heart, and you're like, yeah, I want to follow you, whatever. I want to. And, and then, then comes in the reality. Well, what does that mean? I think it means this. It's taken on the heart of a warrior. You see, you will be challenged. There were people standing on the street corner up in Dover, and you've seen them, and people down in Main Street and New Philadelphia, and people by Beulah's supermarket, and they, and they have the signs out, you must be born again, Jesus saves, and they're preaching. And just like that guy I told you about on the subway, on the metro that was preaching, I believe they know this. I believe they know these verses. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You must stand in the strength that, that you are empowered with the Holy Spirit. In, in, uh, in uh, when King David, well, he wasn't king at the time, but he was David, and he was going to fight Goliath. I was like, I'm not putting up with that. I'm going to take this. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. I'm going to take this guy down. He's insulting my God, my king, my savior, uh, my Lord, my, my, the God from He's insulting him? He, I'm taking him out. Now, here's David, just a regular guy. And King Saul says, a big, bigger guy, says, listen, you need to take my armor. At least you'll have some protection. The armor was way too big for David. It wasn't a fit. But what was a fit as God called David a man after his own heart. That was the fit. That was the power that he possessed to fight with uh, uh, Goliath, to take him down, to take him out. Now, David was a man of many failures. He did a lot of things wrong, just like all of us. But boy, did he have some sweet victories. He had some sweet victories, and that was because and with the Lord. When Satan prowls around, like a roaring lion, and he comes knocking at your door, you just tell him to keep on going. As a matter of fact, don't even do that. Just kick him out. Kick him out of your town. Kick him out of your city. Kick him out of your county. Kick him out of your state. Kick him out of the nation of America, for we are one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. We are a Christian nation. Make no pretense about that. And as Bradley spoke about it this morning, this is the authority that you have in Jesus. Reject the enemy's lies, his manipulations, his distractions, and his deceptions. A lot of people think there's things we can't do anything about anymore. It's just things are beyond us. We can't gather together. Let me tell you a story of a community. They had uh, all the churches got together. The community got together. They were going to open up a strip club, which was just outside of the school zone, the high school. And... Uh, and, and these people had done it before. They had other places like this. They had money. They had power. They had uh, connections. And they even had the permits and the land. The, the thought process was, and I don't know if this was their thought process, but certainly we thought about it, is because the, the, the teenage girls 
could get out of school. The cheerleaders, those 18 and older, could get out of school and go work at the strip club. And, and I kind of think they were counting on that. But they, we all fought back. The town hall and the meetings were packed with people. They're packed to overflowing with people. And every meeting that they had, people came out in droves to do battle against this. And they won. The strip club never opened. Praise God. It can be done. So this is, this is it. This is your life. Be responsible for it. Jesus preached a word, and, and, and look it up. And it was, it was a hard word. But nonetheless, it was a truth. So what's my desired outcome if this is my last sermon? Simply this. The words of Jesus in Matthew 11, starting in 28. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give is light. I'm, I'm going to ask the, the prayer teams if you guys would come up, and Taylor, if you'd come up as well, if you're here. He is. And there's a reason for this. Now, before you charge all these words up to the ramblings of a man who may be getting put out the pasture, I want to ask you all one question. What is God saying to you right now? What is he saying to you right now? Listen to him. If you're struggling, you may feel like you're unique and all alone in your struggles, but we all get here somehow. We all come to the foot of the cross. Uh, the Bible tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Is that this day for you to confess that Jesus is Lord. If you don't think you're worthy, the king of the universe came down in the flesh and was beaten and nailed to the cross for you. He thinks you're worthy. He didn't come down for the sins so that you can keep on sinning. He came down that you may be set free. He said this. Jesus said this. I came to seek and save that which is lost. If you are that lost sheep that is searching, that's crying out, now is your time to be set free. And the word says, whom the Son sets free, meaning Jesus is free indeed. Jesus came in the flesh that we may relate to him. Pain and suffering, we understand that. We've just come through the most important moment of history that we've celebrated, the resurrection. With all its emotions, all its humilities, and all the things that we think of that, Lord, you did this, you endured this for me. He is our blessed hope. But now, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your resurrection. From death to life, from sin to life, come and lay it down before the cross. Come and lay it down at the altar. Come pray with these folks. 
let them pray with you. Come and lay it down before the cross. Be set free from addiction, from pornography, from sickness, disease, poverty, abuse, homelessness, loneliness. Or maybe you just need to say, Lord, help me with my unforgiveness. Or help me with this offense. Come to the altar and have the prayer team pray with you. I'll pray with you. Jen will pray with you as we worship and give him all. Some of you really need to do this so that you may walk a free life and you may be afraid to take that step but have the courage to come forward and receive life, life abundant in Jesus. Jesus is calling. Amen.